0: So in 1 Samuel, anyone love great Bible stories? You know that the stories in the Bible aren't just stories, right? Uh, They are true accounts, and we read them as such, and we get to look at what God did in the lives of people in the Bible, and we get to apply it to our own lives, okay? Uh, And in 1 Samuel, it's a great story. Uh, David and Goliath, one of my favorites. I'm not going to sit there very long, but I want to illustrate something for you. Uh, We know that there was this great giant... Have you ever faced a giant in your life? You've had something that was, man, this is a big deal for me. There's probably something right now, you're just counting down the hours and the minutes until Monday morning where you have to face the big giant, okay? Um, we have giants in our life, but we get to this story of David and Goliath, and Goliath's out there, and he's big and tough, and he's taunting Israel, and, and no one wants to fight this guy, but this little boy, David, uh, who's confident, not in himself, but in God comes out. And in 1 Samuel uh, uh, chapter 17, verse 45, I want to read a couple of verses. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This powerful talk right here, this little boy. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. When we look at this story, David comes up and he is, he is amped up with some power, but you know where the power lies? Where is the power? You can give it back to me tonight. Give it back. Where's the power? The power is in God. Verse 46, this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. We know that David didn't defeat Goliath all by himself, and that's not going to happen. But David, a normal boy coupled with God, defeated Goliath. Another story, if you're in 1 Samuel, you can flip to the left a few pages, 1 Samuel 15. The man Samson, another story of great power. We know Samson and Often the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon Samson and in 1 Samuel 15, verse 5 and 6. Uh, you, you guys will like this over here, you younger ones. I love the story. It gets my blood flowing. If you're a man in here, this is a good one, okay? Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath, and behold, a young lion roared against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Listen to this. And he rent him as he would have rent a kid, and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. This lion comes up and he rent him. It's like, just take like a piece of paper, just rent him. He tore it to pieces. Where did the power come from? Power came from God, okay? Now these are Old Testament stories but we are talking about the same God. The, the Holy Spirit of God came upon him and gave him power. Let's bring it up to date a little closer with us. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, it's a great chapter because you get to see uh, when the Holy Spirit begins to work in the church. And in Acts chapter 2, what happened is Jesus, he, he died, and, and he was buried, and he rose from the dead, and he appeared unto all these people at once, and they saw him, and he was there, but he ascended back to heaven. And, and what he said was, he said, it's good for you, it's expedient for you that I go I need to go away, because God is going to send another comforter. Uh, it's going to be someone like me, with the power of me. It's the fullness of God coming back down to earth. It was going to be the Holy Spirit. And he told his disciples that they were supposed to go, and they were going to pray. They were going to wait for the promise of the Father. And this was the Holy Spirit. So they're waiting, they're in the upper room, and we get to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing Mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And it goes through and talks about how the Holy Spirit came, cloven tongues of fire, power was on these guys. They were speaking, and people heard it in their own language. Uh, they were speaking in tongues, not as tongues as we would think, uh, as uh, uh, a language that's unknown, but these men heard it in a known tongue in their ear, and that's how God allowed them to communicate the gospel. But as we get through from verse 14 all the way down to verse number 36, Peter. A normal man a fisherman is addressing the crowd and there's something i want to point out through all these stories is that there was a normal boy named david coupled with the power of god he did something great there was a normal man named samson whom the holy spirit had power upon him and he did something great he had great victory here in the church peter addresses a crowd he tells them simply how jesus christ was crucified for their sins and he died and he was buried Look in verse 37 as we see the result of this preaching. Now when they heard this, this preaching about Jesus, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Um, do you remember the time that you sat in a service and someone taught you about Jesus? Or maybe it was in a Sunday school or something like that. And they heard about Jesus and it says they were, they were pricked in the heart. They they were convicted. They were like, oh, this is this is applying to me. This is hitting me hard. They said, what are we supposed to do with this information? Verse 38, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Look in verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them, about 3,000 souls. Whoa. Okay. Who's ready for Easter? Anybody? Yeah. Who would like to see that take place again? Yeah. Anybody with me on that one? Yeah. Listen. These men prayed, and at this time the Holy Spirit was not there in the earth. The Holy Spirit came. In the first display of the Holy Spirit's power there in the church, 3,000 people Believed the gospel message, they received it, and they even got baptized that day and they were added to the church. 3,000. Who was preaching? Just a normal person. Peter. I want us to see tonight that there's a common denominator in the victories of these stories. The spiritual power, there's something. See, there's something a man can preach and yet there's no results, there's nothing happening, or a church can function, or a person can minister, or you can try and overcome a sin, but where is the spiritual effectiveness? Where does the power actually come from? We have to know that spiritual power comes from the Holy Spirit. Listen, we desire victory in our lives. Anybody like to win? Yeah? Yeah? If you've been watching politics at all, and I ain't going to bring in politics, but Donald Trump, he's a catchy guy, and he's always on the news clips. We don't win anymore, okay? That's, that's America, but listen. Uh, that's what he talks about. Listen to this. We want to win as a Christian spiritually. I will, I will relate to you in the fact that you and I deal with personal sin, something that we've struggled with over and over. And there are people in this room that have a personal sin, and you struggle with it. It plagues you. It takes you. It has control of your life. And you say, I want to win. I want personal victory. I want power over it. We desire victory over personal sin. We desire victory in our relationship, conflicts, and struggles. Some of you in here are married and, and you have issues in your marriage where you can't communicate. Listen, we're all human. If you're married, this is something that happens. But we want victory over it. We don't want to deal with this day in and day out. Some of you have problems at work with coworkers or bosses, and you have these relationship problems, and you just want to win. You just want success. You want God to do something in this conflict or this struggle. Some of you are parents in here, and you have children for which you've prayed for. You're a grandparent, and you have a grandchild for which you've prayed for, and you, you just want God to do something sometime soon finally do something we want spiritual victory for our family for a lost loved one that may may not know christ that we've witnessed to or or maybe we haven't witnessed to or we've got someone that's just gone astray we want victory in our spiritual battles for our family and for our children you know, uh, some of you serve in ministry, and, and we hope that everybody, every member should be a minister, okay? We should not always get poured into and have nothing going out. Everybody ought to find a place to serve, okay? But if you have a, a personal ministry, if you're a Sunday school teacher, or um, you you do counseling, or uh, you, whatever it is your ministry, we want to be effective in that ministry, right? Yes. If, you, if you teach little kids, you want those little kids to, to be understanding the scripture better. You want to see little kids trust Christ as Savior. What is it that gives us victory in our personal ministry? Where's the power? And for our church, I know we can all agree on this. Our church has been given the mission to go out and evangelize the world not only to evangelize and win them to Christ, but we have been given the task of making disciples to see people not only saved but baptized and join this church and to see them serving and, and growing in the knowledge of, of God. And we, we want to do this. Listen, we are, are working our tail ends off to get ready for the Easter experience. We're going to have two services, one at 9, one at 11, and we've got people, you are out here, and it's you and you're serving. You're, you're coming here early on Saturdays to get ready for the drama. You're coming here on Sunday afternoons getting ready for the drama. Some of you join the First Impressions team, and you're gearing up, going to get ready to hold doors and learn how that all works. And you're, you're getting ready for your Sunday school lessons, and we're doing all this and on, on Easter Sunday, we're, we're putting out signs, and we're inviting people online, and we're, we've got a promotions team, and we're doing all these things. But what is it that's going to make us effective? How can I, I know it's possible that Pastor Tony can come up here, and he can preach the gospel, but what is it that's going to allow us to have spiritual results? Where is the power? And tonight, I want us to see very clearly that our only hope for victory over personal sin, our relationships, our battles, our personal ministry, and in our church for the mission of evangelizing the world, the only hope for victory is the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Realize the Holy Spirit is the source of spiritual power for the Christian. And I want to show you how the Holy Spirit works in our life and how we can gain access to the power. Okay, can we talk about that for a few minutes? Turn to Ephesians three. Ephesians three, one of my favorite verses. I have a lot of favorite verses, but this is one of my this is my favorite favorite. Okay, uh, Ephesians three twenty. How how does God work in our lives? Is it just uh, is it does God work through a uh, fantastic dramatic presentation? Is that where the power is? It's not. Does God work through wonderful church processes and programs and follow-up and cool check-in systems? He doesn't. Does God work through your awesome teacher outline or your reasoning with your family member to change their ways? That's not how the the power, it doesn't come through our own working. In Ephesians 3.20, we see how God works. Now unto him, that him is God. Now unto him that is able to do Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Let me explain that to you. I should read it with more excitement. That's a good one. Are you ready? Here we go. All right. Now unto him that is able, amen, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Listen, this is how God works, okay? The ability, now unto him that is able. Him that is able is not me. Him that is able is not Pastor Tony. Him that is able is not you. It is God that is able. The one where the power and the source and the energy comes from is the God in heaven. And now listen, God in heaven was up there and then he came down here and he died for us. But listen, the one that died for us went back to heaven and he sent someone else back down here. It's the Holy Spirit and he lives inside of us. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. How? According to the power that works in us. I want you to realize that this special effectiveness for spiritual victory not come from anywhere else except through the Holy Spirit that works through a normal, everyday Christian. There is no one. You don't have to specifically qualify for the Holy Spirit to use you. I'm going to explain to you tonight how we can access this power, but I want you to realize that God works to do amazing things through ordinary people by His Spirit's power. That's how the work gets done. That's why you know special people in your life that have great influence, and they don't really do anything special, but so for some reason, their prayers get answered. For some reason, their preaching is, uh, has spiritual fruit. For some reason, they are, when they are a friend and they try and help and encourage, their encouragement goes a little bit further. Why? Why? It is because of the power of the Holy Spirit working through them. In John 15, we see the same truth illustrated by uh, the branches that are connected to the vine. And you can turn there, John 15 and verse 4. Uh, Same illustration about where the power comes from. Jesus said, abide in me. That means stay close to me, stay connected to me. Abide in me and I in you. Now, if you're reading your Bible in in this chronological order, Jesus just talked about the Holy Spirit in John 14, okay? And he's going to talk about it uh, in the next chapter. He says, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot. Repeat that word with me. Cannot. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, The same brings forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done to you. Realize, in the picture of the vine and the branches, the vine is where the life comes from, okay? Okay? Uh, and a plant, that's, that's the, the branch. You cut it off from the vine, it's going to die, okay? Uh, quick illustration for Valentine's Day. How many of you guys got your wives flowers? Raise your hands. You bums, if you can't raise your hands, I'll say it. Listen, I almost forgot. I did not spend $50 or what we learned on Wednesday night, like the average $75 on a Valentine's Day gift. I got my wife one red rose. Oh uh, yeah isn't that cool uh, it was $3.99 in case you need so if you're on a budget next year that's a good way to go um I got my wife one red rose and then I got my daughter I've got a daughter she is three I got her one too I got her isn't that nice now listen within within two minutes I'm talking two minutes of coming in the house and I felt like oh my daughter's gonna feel so special she's gonna love me forever and uh, I bring her this rose, and she, she dropped what she had, and she ran over to me, and she grabbed the rose, and she smelled it. It was so cute. She smelled the rose, and she gave me a big hug and a kiss. But no longer, I mean, two minutes later, she's in the living room, and I'm looking in her hands, and in one hand, she's got the end of the rose. In the other hand, she's got the, the stick part, okay? with all the, Well, I took the thorns off. That was nice, Dad, of me. Uh, so she's got the stick part. Listen, I had to superglue to make her happy, super glue that end of the rose back on. And overnight, that thing just flopped right over. To illustrate the point, that if you cut the branch off of the vine, there is no more life. It's going to die very quickly, okay? The same thing is true. There is no spiritual power. There is no effectiveness in what you're trying to do when you are not in right relationship with the Holy Spirit, and with God. Spiritual success is impossible without a proper connection to the power source, and the power source for you and I is the Holy Spirit. Look in Galatians 5.16, and you can just put on the verse there, Galatians 5.16. Really quick verse. You're saying, "I I don't have spiritual victory over my sin, or over the struggles or the addictions in my life. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Some of us have never really experienced that before. And we need to. We need to know what it's like to actually be able to say no to those things, those desires of our flesh. If we want to see victory in our lives, we must plug into God's power through a healthy relationship with the Holy Spirit. In Colossians 3.15, the Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. I told you I'm going to be jumping around. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Do you know that word rule in the Bible? It's the idea of reigning or a king. Let God's peace reign in your heart like a king. See, the peace of God is that voice of the Holy Spirit that you hear. Do you understand that as a Christian, you really have the fullness of God living within you that guides you according to the Bible on a moment-by-moment basis? And when you feel this sense of uneasiness about something, that is the Holy Spirit. Uh, God is using some tools. He's using your conscience. He's using the, the Bible that you've heard. And the peace of God, the Bible said, should rule our heart. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. See, his peace in our spirit is like a green light that's telling us to continue on the path we're on. And when we make a step or a decision outside of God's will and contrary to what the Bible says, what we do is we grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, there are people in our church that have lost loved ones very recently. The word grief, it's the same we talk about when you lose that, that deep sense of pain. Realize there is a person, there is God. If you're a Christian, God lives within you. Your body is not your own, it is God's. He lives within it and it is his. And when we sin, we grieve him. He feels a deep pain. Realize God is holy, is the Holy Spirit, okay? And the Holy Spirit has a deep sense of pain when we sin. And we step outside of what we know we should do according to the Bible And we grieve the Holy Spirit. He tells us, no, don't do that, and we quench Him. Quench means to suppress or to put out, like you put out a fire. You put out His influence in your life. And in quenching Him, we render Him and His power in our lives ineffective. Okay? So here's our problem. Here's what we're going to face tonight. We, most likely, in here, are sitting in a position where we have grieved and quenched God's Spirit in our life. We've silenced him. We've told him no. We said, no, you cannot have rule of me. I will have rule of me. We've, we've dethroned the king, and we've made ourselves the king, okay? We have taken God out of the driver's seat, and we have hopped right behind the wheel. Can you agree with me that we are selfish, self-centered people? That is why you have arguments in your home, just so in case you knew. Listen, we're selfish, and we're self-centered, and, and uh, I've heard it, you know, when, when, you're getting, when you're getting married or you're dating, you're like, you're, they're showing you all their good things, and they're, it's all about, they want to please you, and, and they really want to please you because you're pleasing them, and it's this self-centered, self-focused, selfish dating thing, and then you get married, and two selfish, self-centered people get married and go together, and then they have kids, <laughs> selfish, self-centered brats. Listen. Listen. You have to realize that we are selfish and self-centered. We want it our way. We desire what feels good to us. And we naturally, naturally, listen, just admit it up front, we rebel against what God wants us to do. Listen, every time, there are three very important things we should be doing daily as a Christian. We should read our Bibles, we should pray, and we should witness. And I will tell you that every time that thing comes up and you know you should do that, there's always something else you need to do or want to do. That's that battle of the flesh and the spirit that we see. Our selfish ways wants to do something else besides what God wants us to do. Now, what do we do once we've quenched the spirit? Once we know that God said no, and we said yes, or, or, or God said yes, go do this, and we said no. See, what we, what we do, and what's happened is we've disconnected from the power source. You are rendered ineffective. You may fake it. You may go and teach your class. You may uh, talk to your spouse. You may do whatever it is you do, and you can look Christian, but in reality, you're powerless, okay? And what we end up doing is we turn to the flesh to try and produce our own power, or we make it look like power. See, as a church, what do we do when we've quenched the fire of the Holy Spirit is we create with our, our flesh a false fire. We try to manhandle in our, in our lives our own addictions and our personal struggles. We try to force victory as opposed to God giving us the victory. Let me explain. If you have a personal sin you do not need to try harder. What we do instead of turning to the Spirit and depending on Him and submitting our lives to God is we we try. Trying is not good, okay? You don't try to be saved and conquer sin for salvation. And you don't try really, really hard to be sanctified either. This is God's work of grace in you. Listen, in your personal sin, what we try and do is we try and be, try harder. We, we Try programs and things like this to conquer our sin. In our relationships, what we try to do instead of relying on God, we rely on ourselves and we try and reason and find out the best arguments. And instead of going to God, we go to other people for advice and we try and manufacture what we really need God to do. We need the Holy Spirit's power. See, what we do in our relationships is we listen to things like Cosmopolitan Magazine or The View and we hear what Whoopi Goldberg has to say about our problems. And instead of turning to the Bible and submitting ourselves to it, we submit ourselves to everything else. And that's our rebellion. That's our natural rebellion against what God wants. In our spiritual battles for our children, we do the same thing. In our personal ministry, what we do in church and in ministry is is we try and manufacture it. We make it look good. If it can't be powerful, at the very least, it can look good. And so we do. We try and have the best graphics and the best processes and make it all light up. And you know what? It's great if it all lights up, and it's great if the church is organized. But without the power of God, we are useless. Spiritual results only come through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot create them ourselves. In Zechariah 4.6 six. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord, unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The things that God wants to do in your life cannot be manufactured, they cannot be done in your own strength or your own brain power, or your willpower, or whatever power you have. The power is the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and then we're going to get to the practical stuff quickly here. Do you recognize your need for the Holy Spirit's power? Do you even think you need him? Are you daily walking in the spirit? Maybe you're new and you don't even know what that means. Well, we want to find out, don't we? Do you yield the control of your moment by moment decisions to the will of the Holy Spirit and to the word of God? realize that we should be so completely yielded to the Holy Spirit that He can possess us fully. And that's what it means for Him to fill us. It's the idea of a glove, a glove in and of itself, and I do not have a glove up here, but a glove in and of itself doesn't move. But when I take my hand and I fill the glove, I control the glove, I tell the glove what to do. And that's the idea of being filled with or walking in the Spirit. It's the idea that the Spirit controls us, that he can possess us, and we are fully submitted to him. Uh, You see, the Bible says that you don't have to beg and pray for the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, as soon as you believe on Christ and you you repent and you believe on Christ, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. Uh, Your body is now his temple. You don't have to pray for a second Filling or anything like that, if you've ever heard that before, the Bible teaches very quickly, uh, very clearly, that we are all baptized into the body, a spiritual baptism by the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. He's already there, and you've got all of Him, okay? You don't need more. You don't need to pray for God to fill you up more. He's not filling you up like a gas tank. He is filling you up in the idea of He's controlling you. You take your pride, and you take all the things that you want to do, and you put it aside, and you submit yourself to what God wants you to do you see the holy spirit his activity in us that moving of him can be quenched Uh, when we allow this to happen we don't experience the fullness of the spirit's working and his power in our lives so what does it mean to be filled with the spirit how do i do it what does it look like let's get to the bare bones okay we need god's power we recognize that. There is not going to be a spiritual victory here. We are not going to see fruit. We're not going to see people saved. We're not going to see our kids come to Christ without God's power. We need it. We know that. So how do I get it? Listen, I'm going to give you three steps, okay? I'm going to teach you to walk tonight. Now, listen, it can take some time to learn to walk, right? Um, my, I got a little boy. He's... Uh, what is he, 15 months right now? And he can take a few steps, but it takes time for children to learn to walk. And I will tell you, Christian children, if you've never tried or learned or known what the Bible taught about walking in the Spirit, having victory, it takes time. It takes time to learn. Now, you can start today, but just to learn the process of walking in the Spirit, it takes time. So here's, here's how we walk in the Spirit. Obviously, walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, means to give the Holy Spirit control. If we are filled with the Spirit, we are controlled by the Spirit. So I'm going to give you three steps. Step number one, what do we do right now? If I'm not walking the Spirit, I know I've been prideful, I know I'm doing it my own way. Number one, confess. Confess. Simply, confess means to agree with God. It means to tell God, God, I know I have been prideful. God, I am self-centered. God, I am so self-serving. And God, I know, because you know what God has already told you to do and what you haven't been doing. And you know what you're already doing that God told you know about, okay? Just be honest with yourself and be honest with God and go to God and say, God, I confess. I know I did that. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He means he'll do it every time. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you want to walk in the Spirit, the very first thing you do, you need to humble yourself and confess. Okay? Confess your sin and where you're at. Number two, ask. Ask. Ask the Holy Spirit to control you. Really simple. Here's how I know this will work. You ready? Are you guys ready for this? This is exciting. Okay, 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's a good promise. If I ask God for something that is according to his will, I know I've got his ear. He's listening to me. But it goes further. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we shall have the petitions that we desired of him. So if there's something I know is in God's will and I ask him, I know he hears me and I know he's going to answer Ephesians 5 says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. So, step one, we confess, God, I am self-centered and selfish. I have been serving myself and not you. I confess it. I humble myself. We ask, God, you want me to be filled. You want me to be submitted to you. God, please control me. And then number three, we yield. Confess, ask, and yield. Moment by moment. See, you got you to realize when you confess, you got to believe what, you're, what that Bible says about confessing, that God will actually forgive you. And when you... Ask. You got to believe what the Bible says. The Bible says if you ask something according to God's will, He's going to hear you. You got to believe He filled you, and He will control you. He says He wants you to be controlled. Submit to Him and ask Him. Now we have to yield. That means we moment by moment submit our will to God's will according to the will of God. See, this is where we're being filled. Romans six twelve puts it this way: Let not sin therefore reign or rule in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither. Yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that if I confess my sins, he'll forgive me. Isn't that great? Yeah. So I confess, all right? Let's almost walk through this practically. I'm, I'm a sinful, prideful person. I go home and I kick my dog. I don't have a dog, but, okay, just get it. You sin. You know you're sinning. You know you're going against God. You confess it. So he forgives you. And then I ask. I say, "God, I recognize it. You want me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need your power." And so I ask you to fill me. Control me, God. I'm submitting myself to you. Please control me. And you know what? He will. And so what we do is thirdly, we yield. We walk moment by moment. You're going to walk through and and like Pastor gave an illustration this morning, you're going to pull up to a parking spot. And God's going to tell you by His Spirit. He already taught you this morning to in honor, you know, prefer one another over yourself. So He's going to tell you, let that person go. And you're going to have an option at that point. Do I yield to the Spirit, or do I yield to me and my selfish nature? And you're going to get to say, yay or nay. So what happens if we yield to the Holy Spirit? That's good! We keep on yielding, okay? And we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and this is what it means to walk in the Spirit. And you are habitually learning to submit your life to what the Bible says and what the Holy Spirit's guiding you to do. But what happens if God says, speak, and we don't? We sin. Remember what the Bible said, we quench him, right? The Holy Spirit, it's like a fire. He's in us telling us what to do, and we say, no, 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 no. We suppress him. We quench him. We grieve him when we sin. So we grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench Him. And you know what? At that point in time, right at that moment, you are rendered ineffective. You've got got no power. And what we tend to do, what I've tried to illustrate to you, is we tend to try and manufacture for ourselves what spirituality really looks like. But in reality, we've got one thing we've got to deal with. And what happens is we don't deal with it, and it compounds, and it compounds, and it compounds. And we are rendered ineffective. And if our church is only as spiritually strong as the individuals and their personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so what do we do when we find ourselves and we sin? We don't obey the Holy Spirit. What do we do? Start it over, baby. Step one, we confess. Listen. I've heard it said keep short accounts with God keep short accounts with God that means if you've got a sin and it happened right then and there it doesn't matter where you are you confess it and God is faithful every time he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so I confess my sin right what do I do next after I I ask thank you you're with me I ask what am I asking for I'm asking for power. I'm asking God, Holy Spirit, please fill me. You want me to fill. You want, me to, you want to control me. You want me to serve you, and I need your power. God, please fill me. Control me with your spirit. And so I walk, and step number three, and what do I do? I yield. I, I, I'm, I'm filled with the spirit, and I know that, like, man, God told me to go over and encourage that person. Say something to him. Well, I need to listen. I need to yield myself as an instrument of righteousness unto God. For long enough have we yielded ourselves to sin. It is time that we yield ourselves to God. So how do we walk in the Spirit? Very simply, we confess. We ask God to fill us, and then we yield to God. And if and when we sin, because you will sin, you should get it right quickly, because you do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit that lives within you. and You don't want to miss out on His power.